VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, guys? Hope everyone had a good 4th of July holiday that you've, you've all been cured from your hangovers. And by the time you're listening to this, it will be two days removed from the holiday. So if you're still hungover, Maybe you should talk to someone. Maybe you have a problem. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But anyway, we're finally done with the NFC South, the AFC West, and our same place opponents. It is now time for the NFC North. Our our division brethren will be starting with Evan Western, our great friend from Acme Packing Company, and the hated Green Bay Packers. Do we actually have a shot at turning this back into a rivalry? Again, because the Bears and the Packers, there are no greater rivals in sports. I believe that to my core, but this hasn't been a rivalry for a very long time. So I, I, I think at, at, the, at the most conservative estimation since Lovey's first few years when he dominated Brett Favre on his way out. So it really hasn't been much of a rivalry since then. You know, I, I just uh, we've I think we've only split with the Packers maybe once or, tw- you know, two or three times since like 2007 when we swept them uh, for the last time. Uh, you know, even when we went to the NFC title game and lost to them, of course, and we split that series uh, as well. So it's it's uh, it's been a one sided affair. And the best that we could hope for was to split the series uh, with Green Bay and, um, you know, hoping that it's, it's, it's going to be more of a possibility that we become the dominant team now that uh, Aaron Rodgers is gone. And, and, and Evan and I didn't talk about this during the interview, but um, it's, it's bittersweet that he's gone. You know, It's sweet that he's there and that he won't be able to beat the crap out of us anymore, but it's, it's bitter in the fact that he left before we were, he was able to play this team. You know, I, I wanted to say, you know, before we get our you-know-what together, well, we had, you know, 18 seasons to get our you-know-what together with, with, uh, with Rodgers under, the, under, the, under center. But, um, you know, it's um, – or it was 16 seasons. But, you know, I, I really wanted him to, to face this team, and it just didn't work out that way. I think this would be us putting our, our best foot forward probably since 2018 and, and definitely since 2010 – the last division, you know, those, those are our last division titles that we had, but, but we'll talk to, um, Evan, we had him on the show during the off seasons to talk about the, the Rogers trade after it happened, but it took so long for them to make a trade. We could only have half the conversation, like just how his, what his thoughts and feelings were about the actual trade itself. But it wasn't up until like the eve of the draft before they actually made a deal so as to have the full context of thoughts and feelings on him leaving counterweight against the thoughts and feelings of what you got in return uh, for him. So we get the second half of that conversation here um, on the top of the, uh, the interview. So, but here it is, guys. We are in the home stretch now with our NFC North brethren. We got Green Bay today on Thursday. We got Detroit on Tuesday, the Vikings next Thursday, and then we finish things up the following Tuesday with our great friend Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears to talk about our beloved Chicago Bears to wrap up the 2023 opponent preview series. So let's go ahead and get this thing kicked off with Evan Western from Acme Packing Company to talk about the hated Green Bay Packers. This is episode one of our NFC North preview of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up and tell it. 
With the book closed on the NFC South, we finally move on to our NFC North brethren, starting, of course, with those bastards in Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers. And since we're talking Packers, that means we've got our old friend Evan Western coming back from Acme Packing Company. Evan Western, welcome back, sir. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, yeah, looking forward to some some crazy times in Green Bay. It's uh, it's been 15 years since we had this much this many question marks, and it's gonna be real interesting to see what happens this year. Yeah, I was on a on a draft show on draft night, and um, it was mostly an NFC North roundtable type thing. And uh, the pack it was the Vikings podcast, and there was a, there was me, and then there was a Packers guy there and when he asked that when the host asked the Packer guy you know what he thought about Jordan Love or whatever I cut in and I said God help me if Jordan Love turns out to be good okay I was 14 years old in 92 when Favre took over I'm 45 goddamn years old now God help me if I have to do this for another 15 years I'll be able to retire before you know the Bears can even have anyone near the the the, the claim to a, the best quarterback in the division. It's like, no, <laughs> please don't let this happen again. It's been long enough, long enough. You had the you got you know you captured lightning in a bottle twice with back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Love can't be number three. There is no justice in the world if that happens. So, well, look, agree to disagree. <laughs> Of course. So we did speak earlier in the off season when the when Rogers went on the McAfee show and said that he didn't want to play, but he wanted to play for the New York Jets. So we've already kind of hashed out that conversation as far as thoughts and feelings. But now that we finally know what it was you guys got in return for Rogers, because that was the mm-hmm. one thing that we didn't know, because that drug out all the way till like draft day or like right before. Uh, draft day so almost like a full month and change from Roger saying I want to play for the Jets before it actually became official what did you feel how did you feel about what you guys got in return for Rogers yeah I think everybody was really really excited about it um they got effectively a first round pick next year um with with the conditional pick that, that all he has to do is play two-thirds of the snaps right if if he's not playing two-thirds of the snaps either the, the Jets have just completely tanked and he's gotten injured. Um, I mean, that, that's really the only scenario in which that pick is not a first-round pick is if Rodgers is injured and misses half the season. And, um, yeah, that's about it. So right. swap of the swap of the first-round picks, that was actually something I had been sort of pushing for. And I, I, I don't want to say I started some of the, the talk about that, but I was like, you know, just, just swap 13 for 15 and, and throw that extra little bit in there and, and we'll have a little fun. And that, that came to fruition, the second round pick. And then the, the condition next year, I think the, the condition is the big thing, right? Um, sounded like the jets really wanted to try to avoid um, just giving away a straight first round pick. So they, um, my, my, my thought there is, the Packers suggested, well, fine, throw some condition on it that's like 95% likely to to come through, and then we'll do it, and then you can save a little bit of face or something. Right. So, um, But no, I think it was, it was very similar to the trade package that had been rumored around the time that Rodgers went on McAfee. Um, and, and then he did that and kind of said he was thought he was mostly retired coming out of the darkness and the Jets kind of got cold feet about it. And then we ended up basically back where we started, all things considered. Right. So, 
that that seems like a good a good spot. It seems like reasonable compensation both ways. Packers are now free and clear from that hideous contract after uh, this year, and now we can move on and figure out what the hell Jordan Love actually is. So, well, speaking of which, yeah. it was an interesting move that the Packers pulled with him, which was instead mm-hmm. of picking up his fifth year option, they actually gave him an extension. Um, a little bit of a raise from what I understand, and they, they yep. gave him an extension which kind of negates the fifth-year option. So are they able to cut bait after this year if it doesn't work out or whatever? Because that's the, the one thing, because it was a two-year extension or a one-year extension uh, or something like that? Yep, yeah, it was a one-year extension to basically buy out that fifth year. Um, but with he gets a, a, an extra, I think, $2 million guaranteed, and it's spread out over this year and next year. Mm. So there's a little bit of dead money stuff that, that plays in there, but it protects the Packers if he ends up being absolute trash. Um, they could cut bait and, and take a little bit of a, a dead money hit next year, but it would be a lot less than it would have been if they had just picked up the option. Right. So, But then, you know, it protects him a little bit. He gets a little paycheck right now and um gets if he ends up balling out this year you figure he'll be a, con- a candidate to sign a, a long-term contract extension next offseason mm-hmm. so that uh, he's not going into a lame duck year so it, it was it was a creative way to do it to you know add a little bit of compensation for for love um show that they're you know certainly committed to him 100 for this year and then set him up so that if he does ball out he's going to get a big new deal next year anyway Right. So it kind of protects both sides a little bit there. And, and I think both sides had, it was in both sides' best interest to kind of come to a compromise because neither side really knows what they've got. Right. right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, that was the thing about, you know, kind of uh, signing the extension to kind of negate the fifth year option um, to where, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a little bit of a dead weight, dead money penalty if, if they cut bait after, this year, but it also kind of frees them up to cut bait after this year if things don't work yep. out. So, yeah, I thought that was a, that was an interesting move on their part. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing a team do that with a player going into their fifth-year option. And that, that deal came down on the day of the deadline, too. So clearly it was something where um, they were working on this for a little bit coming out of the draft and, and then finally decided to, yeah, this makes the most sense for, for both sides, and, and everybody felt good about it. So let's uh, real quick let's let's buzz through the the 2022 season. Um, you you're you're on you're on the road at Minnesota week one. Um, basically, it, it just was one of those bad week one performances. Uh, you know where um, the wide receiver, what's his name? Watson. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Watson, you know, the wide open basically could have set this the offense off on a whole season, you know, could have just been completely different, completely if different. If ball. he catches it, he's off to the yep. races. He's wide open. The whole thing just right off his hands. It was nothing other than him just flat out dropping the ball and basically just spelled. It was an open for how the rest of the afternoon was going to go. A 23 to seven yep. thrashing at the hands of um, Minnesota, which after the Bears, beating up the 49ers at home uh, week one, kind of, uh, you know, fill us up with some confidence going into uh, the week two Sunday night matchup. And it started off well for opening drive. Justin Fields runs in for a touchdown, and then it pretty much all fell apart after that. So, um, you know, lots of bad decisions 
uh, being made, like, uh, you know, the, that whole fourth down thing at the goal line. Why wasn't David Montgomery on the yeah. field, and why weren't we handing it off to him? Why is Justin Fields, you know, anyway, just, just a mess uh, of a situation uh, and everything. It gets you guys on your winning ways. You go on a three-game win streak at that point. Close victories, but wins nonetheless. You stop Tampa Bay on a two-point attempt uh, to tie the game week three on the road. You beat the Patriots in, in overtime the week after that. And then the spiral uh, begins. Yep. Uh, you go on o- over overseas and take on the Giants, the upstart Giants, who, you know, Brian Dable had those guys winning football games uh, at that point. They come away with the win over there. Then there, there was that especially bad loss to the Jets, week six. And, you know, it was, it was one of those where it's like, okay, so what is happening here? With the yeah. uh, with with the with the with the Packers now because the Giants maybe it was jet lag you know they're they're a hot team right now they're one of those never say die kind of teams just keep finding ways to win and the Jets yeah they're kind of an up and coming team this year but to hand Green Bay their ass in their home stadium the way that they did it's like what's really going on here yeah they're the the Giants game there's a couple things that that played into that that really snowballed starting you know with that game and then moving forward for the next. I don't know, seven or eight weeks almost. Um, you had the Packers led 20 to 10 at halftime of that game, and they did not score again until a safety, a meaningless safety at the end of the game. But then with a Hail Mary attempt at the end of that game, Rodgers injures his thumb, and that ended up being a major storyline the whole season. Um, he was limited. He was not as accurate as he normally was for, for really the next you know half of a year. And that the offense really struggled from that point on um, again over the next six, seven, eight weeks. And, and things just started to snowball. That Jets game was one of the worst offensive performances that I've seen an Aaron Rodgers led team ever have. Um, and the defense just could not stop the run again. A, yeah. a typical refrain for, for this Packers team over the last, I don't know, decade or so now. Um, and just a bunch of weird stuff. Another special teams touchdown against the Packers with a blocked punt in that Jets game. Um, and, yeah, just all these things started to snowball. And, and a, a ton of it, I, I do think, did have to do with Roger's thumb was a major factor for a good portion of, of that middle of the season. But there was also the fact that Christian Watson couldn't get on the field and as we saw later on in the season, he became really their only big play threat in the passing game on that entire roster. Right. But so with uh, him unavailable, yeah, during that stretch and Rogers thumb being a problem, um, that offense was just completely out of sync. And so that, that led to a bunch of those issues in that stretch. Yeah. The offense, um, I remember watching the Washington game the following week on the road, uh, against the commanders, uh, you know, just coming up short there, 23 to, 21 but a lot of talk during that game about you know it's like this does not look like a a typical Green Bay Packers offense here you know turnovers mistakes you know some some bad throws from uh from Rodgers and not to mention that commander's defensive line beat the beat the offensive line up quite a bit Rodgers is under fire most of the of the game uh and everything you have the Sunday nighter against Buffalo and I think everyone was expecting Buffalo to win in Buffalo and yep. you know them being a hot team. So that wasn't at that big a surprise. The real surprise came a week later Ugh. on the road at Detroit 
where the offense just has some kind of meltdown. The defense only allows 15 points to one of the to an offense that's breaking scoreboards left and right last year and the the line the Packers can only muster 9 points not to mention multiple interceptions uh from Rodgers uh in that game. Yeah, that as bad as that Jets game was, um the Packers just couldn't get anything moving against the Jets. Against the Lions, they were down in the red zone multiple times, and Rodgers threw at least two picks right around the goal line. And I think there was a third one that he threw from, I don't know, the 30-yard line or something that got picked off in the end zone, too. Um, the, the the one that, that will always stick with me in that game is when they tried to do a uh, play-action throwback pass to David Bakhtiari, uh, who was a tackle eligible, and Rodgers short-armed it and threw it so so short of Bakhtiari that Aiden Hutchinson picked it off. Right. Um, I have that, that may go down as Aaron Rodgers' worst play, worst throw as a Packer. Yeah. So um, it, again, it, it was, it would have been a fun play and, and all he had to do is just put it on, on Bach and he was open, but he, uh, he left it a good five, six yards short on a, you know, a 15 yard pass from, from deep in the backfield. And, uh. Just not something we've ever seen from him before. Yeah. So and, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it, it was it was a string of those issues, and then you had a whole bunch of injuries that struck the Packers in that game. That was kind of one of the ones that set off all of that stuff with the artificial turf and complaints about the turf across the league because the Packers lost Romeo Dobbs to an ankle injury, one of the rookie receivers. Um, they lost Eric Stokes to a, a brutal ankle and knee injury and Rashawn Gary tore his ACL in that game. So the, the team was just a mash unit by the end, especially the defense. And um, I think Christian Watson was supposed to come back. And then I think he got concussed in the middle of that game or early on in the game too, something like that. So that, that also played into it, losing two of their, their top receivers in the first quarter. And then the defense just, you know, three starters or, or two starters on defense um, going out with injuries. So that, that was a painful game to watch in a whole number of ways. Right. But the fact that it really ended up having a bunch of major effects moving forward on the roster, because again, you're down two starters, you're down um, receiver for the next six weeks. Or so, um, so that just added injury to insult with the way that game went. Yeah. So at this point it's, it's five losses in a row now, starting with the giants game week five, all the way through the, the lions lost week nine. So you're heading back home to Lambeau to take on the Cowboys who were red hot at the time. And the last thing anyone expected was for Christian Watson to go bonkers and, and, and propel the lions or excuse me, the, I'm the reading lions right now, Cowboys or the, you know, the Packers to a victory over the Cowboys, uh, which ended up going into overtime, uh, you know, before uh, green Bay pulled it out. But nonetheless, you know, having not scored more than 21 points over the last five weeks to go out and score 31 against the Cowboys, who were playing really good defense at the time, uh, was was something that nobody saw coming. Yeah, that was that was Christian Watson's welcome to the NFL moment, right? I mean, he shows up and in the second quarter just he he converted that play he should have had in Week One against Minnesota, just a 60 yard bomb, um, and this is a. I'm I'm here. I'm ready. Let's let's mess some people up. Kind of mm-hmm. a game from Watson. So three touchdowns, two of them in the in the fourth quarter to send that game to overtime. Um, and then that was the str- the start of that stretch where I think he had like 
eight touchdowns over the course of four games or something like that the next the next stretch. So that was the okay, finally the Packers have a game breaking weapon in the passing game moment and um you know ju- kind of justified why the Packers were willing to trade up as far as they did to to get him at the uh, very beginning of the second round in the draft last year. Right. And then just, uh, you know, they, they drop one to the Titans on Thursday night, 27-17 uh, to 17 loss there. Then the, the Eagles on the road, 40 to, 40 to 33. So the offense is scoring points again, but coming up short against Jalen Hurts uh, and company on the road. Then there was the rematch uh, in Chicago with the Bears. And um, I think I've told you this story already, but I was in the hospital at the time. Um, my, my third and final surgery was coming up and my doctors are telling me on Saturday, yeah, we're going to get you in on Sunday. And the only question I had was when on Sunday, when <laughs> I was like, and they come to me, yeah, we'll get you in 6am. Great. 6am. It's like an, a two hour surgery, a couple hours in recovery. I'll be coming out of the fog of anesthesia just in time for kickoff kind of thing. Right? So we get up Sunday morning and I'm waiting. Six becomes seven, seven, eight, eight thirty, nine, ten, so on. They come to wheel me out at eleven thirty, and I wake up and it's three forty-five. I missed every second of that game, and you know you can imagine how pissed I was. Uh, but then when I later on that night watched the uh, that ten to twelve minute recap uh, highlight reel on YouTube, um, you can imagine how happy I was that I didn't sit through. <laughs> that entire game because we got off to like a 16 to three lead fields, got another one of his 50 plus yard touchdown runs straight up the gut uh, of the offense. He was 20, 20 of 25 passing in that game. You know, Nikhil Harry's making catches in this thing. And yeah. I was like, what the hell happened? What happened? You know, and it's just one thing after another. And Watson runs a touchdown in. I think that was the one that put the game away. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. And it was just like, man, I am as, as, as pissed as I am that I need to see the game. I'm glad I didn't see the game. I'd have been throwing shit at the TV <laughs> watching this, man. Are you kidding me? That, you know, I had to put me into the psych ward watching this game. I'm glad I missed it. So, yeah. And that was the, that was the buy. That was the game before the bye week for both of us. So. You got yeah. uh, you got a win on the books before going into the bye, and then you got three more coming out of the bye before the end of the season. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the plays in that game, the Packers Bears game, that doesn't get as much credit as it probably deserves was the blocked field goal by Dean Lowry early in the fourth quarter. Um, Bears were clinging to like a two point lead, um, going you know driving down for um, you know for a, a lead to at least go up by five. Lowry blocks that Packers go straight down, kick a field goal, take the lead. And then, um, you know, then they started pulling away. So that was a real, you know, big momentum changing moment in that game. Um, there's another one in, in the game too, but, um, that was one where if not for that play, maybe the bears go on and win that game. And the Packers are now staring at four and nine instead of five and eight. And at that point going into a buy at four and nine, you would have thought that, they're done. They're a hundred percent done. Um, at five and eight, with four games left, they still held on to a little bit of hope for for a, a slimmer, the glimmer of a chance at a playoff spot. And going out and winning a couple games, they gave themselves a shot to to actually make it to the postseason. Yeah, they beat the Rams on on Monday Night Football, coming off the bye. They get a win at Miami in Miami. 
Um, and then uh, they beat the ever-loving hell out of Minnesota, yeah. which I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess Rodgers is doing this one more time because he just went ahead and, you know, just destroyed the Vikings uh, 41-17. to And, uh, you know, with the playoffs on the line, the NFL pushes that Lions-Packers game to the Sunday night game on the final Sunday of the of the season, only it was basically a repeat performance of the Week Nine game. Rodgers throwing yeah. interceptions, Detroit coming out uh, on top. You know, a close game, but one that uh, you know the, the the Packers just couldn't close the gap, and it uh, closed the book on the on the chapter of uh, Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay uniform. Yeah, everything that could have broken the Packers' way in those last like five weeks did. They needed so much help. We broke it down all every week in detail. All right, here's who you need to be rooting for just for this, you know, half a percent chance that it might improve the Packers' playoff chances. And we were doing this for a month, and everything that they needed to happen happened between weeks like 14 and 17 and it set it up as a, a win and you're in at home against Detroit on Sunday night football in last week of the season. And they just, they just didn't, they just, they, they barely showed up. The defense didn't really, um, they basically didn't, didn't, they didn't force turnovers, which was what they had been doing that during that four game winning streak leading up to it. Yeah. Um, Packers had 12 turnovers in those those previous four games and couldn't get one out of Detroit. And that ended up fundamentally being the difference in the game. They turned the ball over twice, couldn't get any takeaways, and um, the offense just couldn't overcome that. And they went home, and now Rodgers is Jets. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So is everybody back as far as the coaching staff this year? For the most part, everybody's back. That was one of the the big storylines. This, you know, coming out of the the week eighteen game, was Joe Barry going to come back as defensive coordinator, um, or were they going to then make a move and try to pull Jim Leonard, the former Wisconsin defensive coordinator, in um, after he didn't get the the job at UW, um, got passed over for Luke Fickle, and. I guess Matt LaFleur is rolling with Joe Barry for, for one more year. Um, this is the first time that Barry has actually made it to a third year as a defensive coordinator. Um, he's He's been in D.C. three times, and both times he got canned after his second year. So this is a new uncharted territory for him. And, and really that late-season stretch, I think, saved his job. The defense played much better over those last five weeks in general, again, forcing a ton of turnovers and um, generally playing pretty well. And... Without that, I think Barry's probably gone and, and Packers move on. But, um, yeah, saved, saved his job. And, and in general, most of the rest of the, the coaching staff is back. I think the one big loss is Jerry Gray, the veteran uh, secondaries coach. Uh-huh. He moved on. His contract was up. He moved on to Atlanta. And the Packers hired in uh, Greg Williams, not the not the Bounty Gate guy, but a different <laughs> Greg Williams from Arizona, who's uh, kind of a, a younger up-and-coming secondary coach. To, to take that spot, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but I think that's that's just about the only change on the coaching staff this year. Right. So we move on to free agency, and all of course, all of this was under the cloud of uh, of Aaron Rodgers and and what he was going to do. And you know, he makes his declaration, uh, but you know, will when will the trade happen? I mean, you you and I talk the day of the Pat McAfee show, but we'd ended up not talking for like about a week and a half after that, waiting for a trade to happen. Uh, 
Yep. And it's like if we'd have waited until they actually made the trade, we'd have been coming right up against the draft, <laughs> uh, you know, a month and a half later before we actually – you know, we're able to actually, you know, have a complete discussion where not only are we talking about thoughts and feelings on the trade, but how do you feel about what you got in return uh, kind of thing. So, you know, that thing just kind of drug on to the point where there were now rumors about maybe the 49ers stepping in and making the trade for Rodgers instead. And, you know, how they would just kind of come in and poach him at the last minute. And now what are the Jets going to do? Because they, they waited, they outweighed Derek Carr and, you know, he's gone off to... Uh, you know, to New Orleans and everybody that they would have signed, including Mike White, who was their savior last year, uh, all gone. And there was literally nothing left. The cupboard was bare. You know, it was it was getting to the point where it's like, well, maybe at 15, one of those quarterbacks will fall to us like an Anthony Richard or a Hendon Hooker or a, a Will Levis or something. God forbid, uh, you know, if we're not going to ride with Zach Wilson. Uh, kind of thing and in the meantime the Packers not very active at all in free agent which is mostly typical uh, for them but um, you know you you re-signed a handful of guys uh, I think of of the guys that you did sign from other teams Jaron Reed is probably the the headliner from that maybe Jonathan Owens the safety from from Houston but you know what are you thinking about how free agency went for you guys yeah it was it was entirely predictable that with the, the team trying to trade Rodgers and take on a huge dead cap hit that they weren't going to have a lot of money to throw around. Right. So um, it, it wasn't a surprise that there weren't a whole lot of big signings. But but even so, you would have expected a couple more, you know, bargain veterans, league minimum type of guys to, to come in at that point. And um, Jared Reed's actually a departure. He yeah, was I, you know, I've, and, I've and got yeah, him written he, down twice here and I see him under free agent losses as well. So. I don't know what so, the, what I was smoking during that yeah, time. But. So I think he went off to, to Seattle. But, yeah, yes. really the, the Packers' biggest acquisitions were largely special teamers. They signed a long snapper from the Rams. They signed a couple of safeties who have a lot of special teams experience. You mentioned Owens, the, the safety from um, Houston. Yeah. And then they signed Tavarius Moore, who has played in San Francisco the last couple of years. Had a little bit of a, I think, one season as kind of a starter, and then has been a special teams guy after uh, torn ACL. So they, the joke, the running joke was that special teams coordinator Rich Bisaccia was the one making all the personnel moves because it seemed like every guy that they brought in from outside the organization was somebody whose main role was on special teams rather than on offense or defense. Sure, sure. So, but yeah, there's there's really not much to talk about in terms of player acquisition until you get to draft weekend. Yeah, I mean, because the the free agent losses is is where all the names yep. are: Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb, and Adrian Amos. I don't know when that happened. That was that recent. That was just within the last two weeks, I think. Okay. That Amos signed with the Jets. Yep. Yeah. So Amos, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, all following Rogers out to New York to play with the Jets. There's Jaron Reed, defensive end, off to Seattle. Um, Robert Tunyon, guess you all know where he went. Yeah, uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Chris Barnes, linebacker, signed with uh, with Arizona. So if you're looking for familiar oh, names, that's where he ended up. It's it's more about the people <laughs> that left than it was about the people that came in. Definitely, yeah, yep. including Rogers, of course. Right. So, but so we fast forward to to draft night now. We've we've got Rogers officially off to. Uh, New York, we've got our pick swap, we got an extra second rounder, and we got a, a conditional for next year. And in the uh, in the first round at 13 with the Jets, you know, swap pick, 
It's Lucas Van Ness, a guy that was mocked uh, to the Bears several times mm-hmm. over the offseason, defensive end from Iowa uh, in the first round, uh, being added to Joe Barry's defense. Yeah, and I think it's real interesting to to see how the Packers and Bears mock draft picks interplayed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Packers were very highly connected with Darnell Wright for, for a lot of the pre-draft period. And I do think that if he was there at 13, they may have taken him over Van Ness. Um just because long-term needed uh, offensive tackle, um, Bakhtiari, not really sure how long he's going to be around. His contract sets up for, for him to maybe be gone after this season. So you could have certainly seen them building uh, on the offensive line for the long term. But but Van Ness brings um, a lot of speed, a lot of power on the edge. Um, certainly they want to keep that, that room stocked with, with pass rushers. And we don't know how long Rashawn Gary is going to be out to start this year with that torn ACL either. So you can have Van Ness kind of come in as a rotational pass rusher right away. A lot was made of the fact that he wasn't a quote-unquote starter for Iowa this year. Um, and, and everybody just needs to remember that Iowa only starts their seniors basically. Um, so they put these, you know, these seniors out there for the first play of the game and then they bring Van Ness in for play number two. And then he plays basically every snap the rest of the game. Right. So, um, so he got, he got no shortage of reps and the, again, the speed to power is there and, and he's, he's going to be a real interesting player to, to, to watch how he kind of develops his pass rush moves because he could be a really exciting compliment, I think, to, uh, to Rashawn Gary. Those two guys, if they sign Gary long-term, certainly that's, um, that's a, a, a ton of ridiculous athleticism across a couple of starting edge rushers. And so, um, yeah, that could be a, a fun tandem to watch for the long term. Then in the second round with the, the pick you got from the Jets, you go Luke Musgrave the tight end of Oregon State, uh, the first of two uh, mm-hmm. tight ends that you pick in rather short succession there because you got Musgrave from Oregon State in the second round at 42. You got Tucker Craft, the tight end from the um, FCS champion uh, South Dakota State, uh, Jackrabbits, and uh, Jaden Reed, a wide receiver out of Michigan State. So basically just loading up on weapons for Jordan Love. Absolutely. And and the tight end position, you knew with the strength of the, the class this year in the draft that the Packers were going to have to take one, maybe take two. Um, and especially because Tunyon leaving free agency, the Packers haven't re-signed Mercedes Lewis. It sounds like he's not coming back. So they needed bodies at that position badly anyway. And what I think a lot of us really expected was a guy like Darnell Washington, the one out of Georgia, um, because he's your kind of true inline tight end who's a you know beast of a run blocker and can, can get out and is a really good athlete and can, can run some routes for you too. But the Packers instead going with Musgrave in the second round was a little bit of a surprise because he's more of that detached um, receiving tight end. He's kind of the, the seam threat. Um, great speed, great hands, um, but the question for him was he was injured all last year, so he didn't really have a chance to, to produce at Oregon State. So you're projecting a lot with that pick and hoping that he can bulk up a little bit, um, pick it up and play on the line, as well as be kind of a detached Darren Waller type of guy. Kraft, though, when they when we paired those two and the Packers drafted Kraft in the third round, it started to all kind of make sense because Kraft is more of your traditional inline tight end. Um, you know, a, a great run blocker, a good pass blocker, a guy who's going to be more of the, the crossers on play action rather than going up the seam. And um, 
he's the kind of guy who is going to make plays and, and break some tackles over the middle too. Whereas Musgrave is more of a, um, before the catch, um, make an acrobatic catch, big frame, big long arms, big catch radius type of guy. Kraft is the, the one who's just going to bully you over, over the middle of the field. And I really think that the way those two guys play is going to complement each other really well. And we're going to see a lot of, uh, two tight end personnel out of the Packers this year using those two guys, using Josiah DeGuar a little bit in the backfield kind of as a wing tight end, um, it gives the Packers a lot of options at the tight end position and options that they didn't have before. Okay. And then in the fourth round, see, day three, you guys had more picks in day three than most teams had in the entire draft. Yeah. Um, I'm counting at least eight picks uh, on day three, uh, starting with Colby Wooden, the defensive end out of Auburn. Interesting choice taking Sean Clifford, the quarterback yeah. out of Penn State, in the in the fifth round. Um, so there's that. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, uh, wide receiver out of West Virginia, the other fifth round pick, and then is the sixth round pick Anders Carlson the end of Mason Crosby in Green Bay? That definitely signals an end to Mason's time. Um, his contract was up, and. Um, yeah, Carlson is he, the brother of Daniel Carlson, NFL kicker, okay. uh, out in Vegas, I think. Um, but I guess he, uh, well, his his brother worked with Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator, when he was out in, with the Raiders. So there's already a little bit of familiarity there. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely uh, the end of, of Mason's tenure in Green Bay. But a um, couple, couple of the other names you mentioned, Clifford's, the Clifford pick, was, I think, a reaction to a, a, a huge run of quarterbacks that went in the early fifth round. Yeah. And I think the Packers wanted to get somebody to come in as a, as a backup for, for Jordan Love. And I, the way I think that, that it fell was they figured, well, we've got all these other picks on day, day three. Um, we got spooked a little bit by the run on quarterbacks, so we're just going to get our guy now that we think we like, and we're going to just be okay with that. I don't think Clifford is a very good quarterback. I didn't think he was a good quarterback at Penn State. I don't know how he's almost 25 years older. I think he's older than Jordan Love, or he's basically <laughs> Jordan Love's age. And this is, you know, Love going into his third year in the. Uh, yeah, he's about. Just looked up. He's he's four months older than Jordan Love is. So um, yeah, but he'll be he'll be a clipboard carrier, and if Jordan Love gets hurt, this team is toast anyway. So yeah, um, it's it's. That's that's a guy who probably interviewed well because he had a meeting with the Packers before the draft, and they're like, "All right, fine. He's he's the last guy that we have on our board at quarterback, so we'll grab him now." But uh, Dontavian Wicks is a guy that's I think very exciting. He fell in the draft process this year because he had a really rough 2022 season, but he completely revamped their entire offense and he had a ton of drops. And he even said that it was because I was thinking it was, I was learning a whole new scheme and I wasn't really just able to play. You go back and look at his tape and his stats from, from his junior season in 21 and it's absurd. It's night and day. And, and that's what the Packers are banking on him. Big guy, six, two, two, ten, I think. So he's right in that, like, big, thick, uh, Matt LaFleur receiver mold. You know, he'll be able to get in the, mix it up a little bit in the, the run game too. And um, I think that could be a, a nice sleeper day three pick as a receiver. Uh, and then your four seventh round uh, <laughs> selections, uh, Carrington Valentine, a corner from Kentucky, Lou Nichols, a wide, res- excuse me, a running back from Central Michigan, 
Anthony Johnson Jr., a safety out of Iowa, Iowa State, and then Grant DuBose, a wide receiver from Charlotte. And all of that happened within 24 picks. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a fast and furious seventh round for us at, at Acme Packing Company. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. The the one of those guys that jumps out to me is Johnson, the safety from Iowa State. I, I actually really liked him. I thought he might be, you know, a fourth or fifth round pick. And um, he's a, a cornerback to safety convert. He moved his, his senior year. And he's a little on the skinny side, and um, but you're going to get a ton of great effort out of the guy. And um, he's he made some some really exciting plays that that make you think that he might be able to translate to a uh, quality safety at the next at the NFL level. And frankly, the Packers need that because they've got Darnell Savage on a fifth year option, and then they've got a bunch of guys who've just bounced around the league and um, just you know, have a, a few starts here and there. And there's there's no clear cut second option as a starter next to Savage on the defense. So that's the biggest question mark. I think on the entire roster really is who that second starting safety is going to be because they've got a lot of guys that maybe can do it. And maybe they're just banking on training camp competition. Um, you know, showing one of these guys emerging to be a, a capable starter. But I think Johnson's got as good a chance as any of these guys, uh, to various more Rudy Ford or, um, Jonathan Owens. I think it'll be a, a good four or five way competition next to Savage. So for a team that was attached to Darnell Wright through a lot of the, the mock drafts uh, in that process, of the 68 draft picks that you guys did have, <laughs> yeah. not one of them is an offensive lineman. Did you guys load up on the undrafted free agents to bring in some offensive line help? Because there wasn't any O-line help in the free agency class, none in the draft, and you were basically attached to one of the top tackles throughout the entire mock draft process. Yeah, I think the the way that it was going to work out for the Packers was they were either going to draft one very early, maybe round one or round two, or they weren't going to take one at all mm. because there is there is depth on the, the line on this team. There's some depth and some versatility. Uh, Fourth-round pick Zach Tom from 2022, he started at like three different positions last year and um, can pretty much be a five-position backup. He might even compete to start at right tackle. He might compete to start at center this year. But there's guys that, that can play, and I think the, the thought there with taking a potentially taking a first-round tackle was getting your stud tackle of the future either at left tackle or right tackle. Once that kind of once that ship sailed, then it's like, okay, are any of these guys that are left any better than what we already have on the roster? And for most in most cases, the answer was no. So um, they have, I think they have. 12 or 13 offensive linemen coming back from last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so there's, you know, between, yeah, between the active roster and the practice squad. And they got a couple of guys that they like down the roster. There's uh, Caleb Jones, the guy from Indiana who um, they really liked in the preseason. Um, Rashid Walker, Penn State guy, he was a seventh round pick last year. They, they liked how he kind of came along during the season on the practice, on the, um, basically playing, playing practice squad. He was on the active roster, but, um, he didn't see any playing time, but they like how he kind of came along as well. It could be a backup tackle. So the I think that it just boiled down to once they got past round one, round two, it, it didn't really make sense to take anybody because they're probably not making the, the roster over the guys that they have already anyway. Because I was thinking, I was wondering if it was anything like what happened with uh, the Bears and defensive end, which was, you know, our obviously our, our main priority was getting an offensive tackle, a.k.a. Darnell Wright uh, in the first round, 
But then because of the Chase Claypool trade, we didn't pick again until 53. And every defensive end worth having, as far as the Bears were concerned, was off the board by the time we picked again at 53. And then after that, it was just it was a matter of, you know, value. Like, are the defensive ends on the board any higher than the guys, you know, than our best player available uh, kind of thing? And, And the draft board just didn't fall that way for the Bears, the, you know, the rest of the way through the uh, through the draft. So I was wondering if the offensive tackle situation was maybe something like that uh, for Green Bay as well. Yeah, I think that probably played into it as well a little bit. And then it, it did feel like on day three, you know, round four, round five, um, they did kind of go for need a little bit, right? They, they reached probably for a quarterback, and they took two down linemen, Colby Wood and Carl Brooks, uh, because they just need bodies on the defensive line right now. So um, I do think there was a little bit of drafting for need there in, on day three as well. Um, and they certainly did with the tight end position on, on day two as, also. Yeah. But um, those guys were also, you know, right at the top of that board too, Musgrave and Kraft being, um, you know, widely considered to be, you know, top, top 80 picks anyhow. So that worked out pretty good for them. All all told, I think the board mostly worked out well for them. Um, They were able to, to hit on a number of needs. The only thing again, that, that they really didn't, didn't hit on that they probably needed was a top end tackle. But once again, once the guys that they seem to really like, were off the board in the first round then they uh, pivoted and, and were able to meet the other needs that they they really had on their roster sure so let's go ahead to and and uh, begin to wrap things up here with the schedule um yep. you know the 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 who and and the uh the who and the where we all we know those from the moment the season ends we know who we're playing next year and where we're playing them when the schedule comes out it's basically just letting us know the win and uh apparently as far as the league is concerned, uh, <laughs> you guys are not allowed to play the Lions on Sunday anymore because yeah. both of your matchups with Detroit are Thursday games. You got the Thursday nighter uh, week four at home, and then you guys play them on Thanksgiving uh, this yeah. year. So both matchups with Detroit <laughs> are on Thursday uh, this year. But of course, I'm burying the lead here. Uh, the Jordan Love era begins in Chicago at Soldier Field. Yeah. So here the NFL is giving us our opportunity to uh, start to turn the Bears-Packers rivalry into a rivalry again um, where, you know, maybe the Bears can come up and steal one before Jordan Love and company figure it out. Yeah, you got to figure that they're, the NFL knew what they were doing here, right? Um, they can play up the Jordan Love versus Justin Fields angle for you know the entire preseason leading up to that game and, and putting it at uh, – I'm sure you're going to be happy, right? It's, it's a Bears-Packers game at Soldier Field that isn't a noon game. Right. It's a, four, a 325 game. It's a late afternoon game. So, yeah. Um, and I, I know it's not a primetime game, Um which but, apparently uh, it's it's not it it, it, it isn't a league mandated thing because we it's not yeah. un, unless we get flexed to yep. the uh, to the last game of the season like you did with Detroit last year the Bears and the Packers do not play on prime time this year yeah uh, yeah that uh, well and and bookending the season right week one yeah, week, week one week, week one week eighteen so yeah it, it's 
you'd be surprised, certainly surprised if this game comes down to, to anything that has massive playoff implications one way or the other in week 18, just based on where both of these teams are likely to be at. I think, um, I think the, the, the reasonable expectation is it's not going to be a winner take all game for the division, for example, right. uh, in week 18. So I think we're, we're very likely to actually see a noon game at Lambeau between the Packers and the bears for the first time in quite a while. I think, I think, I think, the, the NFL got it wrong. Or, or, I think they because of the uh, the kickoff game in 2019, that was the Thursday nighter in Chicago week one. Yeah. That's why it was Lambeau at noon later on That's uh, right. that yeah. year. That was the last time the Bears played the Bears, or excuse me, played the Packers at noon in Lambeau. I think the last time before that was in 06 when yeah. we started week one in Green Bay. Um, but uh, at least that's the last one that comes to mind. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, so week one, week 18, and I guess you could call that Bears-Packers game week one a national TV game because I'm sure that's going to be like Fox's, you know, America's game of the week yeah. that week or something, uh, you know, with, with two, you know, noon Central Times teams playing at 3.30 uh, that day. That's more than likely going to be, you know, like the game that most people in the country uh, get to see. Then week two, you're at Atlanta. So back-to-back road games to start the Jordan Love era before you come home for the Saints. And then the quick turnaround to play the the Lions week four on Thursday night. And then an 11-day break before you go out to Vegas and the Death Star to take on the Raiders Mm -hmm. before an early week six bye this year. So you go from getting a week 14 bye, same as us, last year to a week six bye this season. Yeah, big swing there, and and I think it's interesting they did the the mini buy with a, a Thursday to Monday break between weeks four and five, and then they give the Packers a full buy right after that. Right. So they're going to be, you know, they should be very well rested in time for that week seven game against the Broncos in Denver. Now, um, going out to Denver is always a little a little scary, no matter what. But um, at least they're coming off of a, a bye week, and we'll have a little bit of time to rest up in uh, in that instance. But you bring up a great point because. After they play on Thursday, September 28th, they only play once on on October 9th, and then they have the bye week, and the next game they play after that is October 22nd. Yeah. So between November, excuse me, September 28th and October 22nd, the Packers play one football game. That's crazy. Uh, in that time, it's like a 24-day period or something uh, yep. like that. That is a lot of downtime. Uh, for the Packers, which almost makes you kind of regret how early the buy is. Like, that would be something that yeah. would be amazing, say, week nine, week 10, but to have it in week, to have all that rest, you know, that early in the season could be helpful if you guys are a mashed unit at the beginning of the year versus the end, but there's no, uh, there's no respite at the, towards the end of the season, uh, because of something like this. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, one of the things that was interesting about the schedule last year, right, was that the Packers went to London in week five or I think it was week five and then elected chose not to have their buy right. immediately afterwards. And they they end up waiting until week 14. And that probably hurt them partially with the Rogers thumb thing right, you know, at the very end of that game in London. Um, I'm sure he would have loved to have had a week off to, to let that thing just rest up rather than having to go into another game right away that next week. But um, yeah, that one that one definitely seemed to backfire last year. So we'll see how an early buy works out uh, this season. But obviously no no international trips for the Packers this year. Right. And, and we thought for, for a while there that the Bears were going to get one because it was long rumored 
yep. the Bears were going to play the Chiefs over in uh, Germany this year, but the uh, the Chiefs put a stop to that. It's like, no, no, we're going <laughs> to get all that Bears fans travel revenue uh, you know, here in Kansas City. And sure enough, week three, the Bears are going to Arrowhead. So, uh, yeah. And it turns out Kansas City is playing overseas, only it's going to be the Dolphins and not the Bears. And so I guess they're not going to miss out on that Miami money. But uh, I was going to say, you're saying Dolphins fans don't travel as well as Chicago fans? I think that's exactly what they're saying. The hell saying. you say. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, after the week six bye, you're, you're on the road at Denver, as you mentioned. Uh, then home back-to-back for... Uh, Minnesota and the Rams. So first matchup with the Vikings week eight. Okay. That's, and that's your third, uh, division game. I was thinking, cause you know how the, the, for whatever reason, and I'm not a big fan of this. I like, I see the, the virtue in having division matchups at the end of the year, but yeah. I don't see the virtue in having five of your six division matchups in the last eight weeks of the season, Agreed. which the NFL loves to do. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not a fan the of that at all. Packers' schedule, at least across the NFC North, is pretty well spread out. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, looking at it, week one, week four, week seven, I'm sorry, week eight, week 12, and then 17 and 18, Minnesota and Chicago back-to-back for right. the last two weeks of the season. That's that's fine. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the league certainly loves to – seems like they really enjoy having a Packers divisional game around, like, Christmas or New Year's. Um, last year was the Vikings in Week 17 again, too. And, and then, obviously, the Weekend 18 always being a divisional game. But, yeah, at least it's a little more spread out. And, and the Packers don't have any of these, like, playing the same team twice within a three-week span or anything like that. Well, and that's exactly what they did with the Lions. I was just talking to our good friend mm. – Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit uh, the other day, and they don't play Minnesota for the first time until week 16, and then play them again week 18. It is a week 16, week 18 sandwich with the Cowboys in the middle. That is their last three games of the season, at Minnesota, at Dallas, home for the Vikings. So Minnesota week 16, week 18, that's how the NFL's you know, iron that out for them this year. And then you look at that from the Vikings side, they're hosting Detroit in week 16 at green Bay, 17, and then at Detroit in week 18 then. So good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan. I I, I like how the Packers do divisional schedule sets up this year. They set you guys up pretty well, pretty well spread out and yeah. uh, And everything you even have, uh, you have your last AFC matchup week 13, Whereas, like, I think I was yeah. when when I was talking to Jeremy, they have all of their, um, I don't know, maybe it wasn't Jeremy, but it's like they have all of their AFC matchups done before Week Eight, or something like, that. or maybe it was Tampa Bay that I was talking to, one mm-hmm. of the two. But it's like one of those teams wow. is done before the middle point of the season. All of their out of division, you know, their 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 cross the conference opponents are done, which means like from Week Nine to the end of the season, it's nothing but you know, basically no error football games. Yep. You know, you don't have Jeez. one that, you know, where you can't, uh, you know, every, you're flying without a net for the rest from week nine to the end of the season. It's It was the Saints. That's who it was. It was the Saints. Um, you know, they finish three straight games with the they, – they have like week two against the AFC South and then three more like week five, six, and seven or six, seven, and eight. And then the rest of the season is all <laughs> NFC opponents. So it's like – crazy. Yeah, it was like whoever's whatever's going on with the algorithm and that computer, they need to fix it because they got to do something. Like, like I think I like your schedule, like the you know, like you mentioned with the division games uh, spread out uh, mm-hmm. a bit. But a lot of teams and and, and uh, you know 
after, you know, say like even week nine by their last seven or eight games, five of them are division uh, opponents. It's like, that's, it's like, I don't like that at all. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too much. So, but at Vendor, home from Minnesota, home for the Rams at Pittsburgh. Those were always interesting matchups. Mm-hmm. Then versus, then you're home for the Chargers. So you don't get to have that, that California home game at SoFi this year. That's, that's what Thank the Bears goodness. get to do. The Bears get to do that on Sunday Night Football, like week eight or nine uh, uh, this year, where uh, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna make the uh, you know light it up the, that LA revenue out there pretty good, uh, you know, for that Chicago home game in SoFi against the Chargers because they they still don't have a fan base out there uh, right now. Then at Detroit for Thanksgiving, so a quick turnaround after that Chargers game, home for the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. And then on Monday night at the Giants, so a rematch with the Giants on Monday night football, uh, and that's your third quarter of the season. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's funny. Packers fans seem to be very split on playing on Thanksgiving these days. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just the, the family situation that I have, but I love when the Packers play on Thanksgiving. Um, we usually end up having my in-laws out and um, – it's it's pretty pretty relaxed. It's a pretty quiet day, and um, I, I enjoy having the games on on Thanksgiving Day. I know for for other folks, it cuts into an early Thanksgiving dinner, but um, yeah, I'm I'm good with it. So I'm cool. Well, the Bears played the uh, the Lions on Thanksgiving in 21, I believe, and uh, yeah, it just meant we were eating dinner at two o'clock instead of. You know, like <laughs> noon or, or you know later on sure. uh, in the day, it was like because my um, my mom came in for the for the for for dinner and she's like, yeah, so you know, what time do you want us there? Like at one? I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, the Bears are going to be on playing until about three, so dinner is going to be about you know three thirty or yep, something like that. It's like seriously, we're waiting until yes, we are waiting until <laughs> after the game. That's right. So. <laughs> We'll see you at 3.30, okay? And, uh, you know, of course, it was one of the most boring, you know, painful to watch Thanksgiving games I've ever seen in my life and somehow managed to pull out ahead against an 0-10-1 football team uh, in that one. So, uh, yeah, one of Matt Nagy's signature signature wins there. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the final four games of the season, home for Tampa Bay at Carolina. So the Jordan Love-Bryce Young matchup mm-hmm. we're all waiting to see. And then at Minnesota, Sunday night football and home for the Bears to crack off the year and uh, see how the first year of the Jordan Love era ends up. Yeah, the only one of those that I'm really a little grumpy about is that Sunday night game against Minnesota. That's on New Year's Eve. So I'm going to have to sit up watching the Packers probably, you know, struggle in the the U.S. Bank Stadium um, on New Year's Eve and and wait for the ball to drop. But, um yeah, that, that, that's fine. It is what it is. I guess we're used to used to watching football on New Year's Eve these days anyway with, like, the college football semifinals. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Really, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really change the equation that much anymore. Hey, were you watching the, um, I think it was Ohio State, Georgia, on New Year's oh, Eve? Yeah. Oh, yeah. basically, I, as my, the my, ball my, drops, my man hooks the field goal to lose the game for Ohio State? I think we've talked about this. My fiance is an Ohio State grad, Ooh. so that was a that was a rough way to uh, to ring in the new year. Because <laughs> it was only eleven o'clock here in, in the Midwest, oh, you know, but yeah, or in the and, Central in Time Ohio, Zone. In, but it was how Eastern the ball time, dropped on the Eastern right Time Zone. So. Oh, oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> 
just the, brutal. There were some uh, some videos going around of bars down near campus at the ball drop. You know, people watching the game and um, synced up with you know with the drop and just seeing the whole the whole crowd in the bar just lose its mind with with agony. It was uh, it was honestly pretty funny as as someone who is not an Ohio State fan, right? Yeah, but I mean, just the a brutal way to oh. just to start the year. I mean, a totally makeable field goal, and the guy it wasn't even the same zip code as the goalpost. Yep. The way that he hooked it so bad, it's just like was. I guess the moment was just too big for you, man. That's why they're yeah. the defending champs. That's why they're going back. So, yeah, hell of a game though. Outstanding football yeah. game. Just, uh, yeah, they 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 just let it go. It was too bad. Yeah. So, so what do you think? You know, floor ceiling for uh, for this. Uh, for this Packer team, is is it is it on the extreme ends like my Bears, yes. where I say I could see them winning, you know, like the floor is like five or six games and the ceiling could be eleven or twelve. I, I think that's exactly where we're at with this team. I don't think we have any clue what the hell is going to happen with this offense. Um, you know, yeah, we 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 believe that Jordan Love is going to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we you know think he's going to be Aaron Rodgers certainly not in year 1 right but if he can if he can do some of the things that Aaron Rodgers couldn't seem to do last year Rodgers couldn't throw a deep ball to save his life last year which is is very strange for him he he had some of those deep th- the the back shoulders along the sideline but any other deep throw about 30 yards past the line of scrimmage um was was not happening for him mm. so if if Jordan Love can use the middle of the field a little bit more um, he's going to work into Matt LaFleur's offense more. Like this is actually going to be Matt LaFleur's offense. They're going to run what LaFleur wants to run right. for the first time, really, since he took over as head coach. So that's going to be really interesting to see how different the offense looks this year from the last couple of years. And I mean, we, we it's the same tree as Kyle Shanahan. It's a lot of those same concept concepts. They've got some tight ends who can, who at least have the athletic ability now to to really stretch the field in both directions. Yeah. They got a Christian Watson who has that ridiculous speed and um now he's got a year under his belt and he's adjusted to the NFL a little bit. So there's there's potential there, but this whole team could just completely implode and and be a, you know, four-win team. I think the this is as wide an extreme as I've ever seen a Packers team have have the potential to be. This well, could let me, be a four thirteen team. This could be an eleven and six playoff team. Let me ask you this then: You mentioned, you know, obviously Lafleur's a of the Shanahan, uh, you know, philosophy and you know yep. under his tree and everything. Does that mean you guys might focus more on the run, like Shanahan? Does? I mean, you drafted the two tight ends. You yep. have a you know a quarterback who's you know going to f- be flying without a net because he doesn't have an Aaron Rodgers to bail him out. Uh, anymore, he's not coming in to bail out Aaron Rodgers type thing or, or whatever. Uh, you know, you have Aaron Jones and you have the Thigh Master or whatever the hell is. Uh, you know, Quadzilla, the Quadzilla. There you go, the Thigh Master. <laughs> but you know, I'm you, use that one now. That's have, good. I like you that. You have the two tight ends. You have the you know the the two headed monster in the the backfield. You have a quarterback who, yeah, he's going into his fourth year, but this is his first year as a full time starter so i mean would you guys maybe focus more on the run and the short passing game to help him out as opposed to the let's go deep every chance we can with aaron Rodgers? yeah i definitely think that's how it's going to go um i do wonder how much of the offense the last couple of years was rpos that rogers was checking out of into the past sure. i think there was a lot of that going on um 
there were a couple of instances where there was one in that Giants game uh, in London where he the, all the Giants had to do was give an eight man box and it was it was a third or fourth down um, at like the three or four yard line I think it was fourth and one and all they did was drop an extra guy into the box Rogers kind of counted eight and then he checked out to the pass and they they backed out into coverage and um, I think they forced an incompletion or something and. and you could kind of you could kind of bait him with those RPOs a little bit because it seemed like he would make the decision pre-snap rather than actually um, making it at the the mesh point with the, the running back, which you want to see with the RPO. The guy, the quarterback, make that read when he sees the post-snap um, alignments and things. Mm-hmm. And Rogers didn't seem, didn't seem to do that. So you'll see probably more traditional RPOs. You'll see more more of the running game. I, I I really believe that. And especially this play action game, I think is going to take off a little bit because um, just the 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 way that Lafleur is going to be able to get a little bit more comfortable with his play calling and setting up his plays for uh, you know later on in the game um, rather than having to try to anticipate. All right, is is Rogers actually going to hand the ball off? Is he going to, you know, is he going to keep it and, and throw the screen? Th- those types of things I think could really mess with the flow of a play caller if um, you're not really quite on the same page with the quarterback, or uh, it, it can just kind of affect the rhythm of, of the play calling. So, sure. yeah, it's going to be fun to see what this offense really truly looks like. But yeah, I expect a lot of run, expect a lot of play action. Um, you'll see some deep balls, but. Look for those crossers that the Shanahan and, and LaFleur and McVay and those guys love to run because yeah. you're going to have a lot of guys. Watson was killer on those once he started going last season, and you're going to see a lot of that again this year too. Should be interesting to uh, to see how it all turns out because I think this is, with Rodgers gone, this is the most wide open our division has been in quite some time. Yep. You know, with, with everyone, you know, in love with, with Detroit – uh, right now, and then there's, you know, will Minnesota be able to bounce back? How big a impact will Brian, Brian Flores have as the defensive coordinator uh, this year? And and you know, can can they can they do it again with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson? And will, will Addison be you know a great addition uh, to the offense? You know, have the Bears finally figured it out? Will Justin Will Justin Fields take that next step with the revamped offensive line? We got our Jordan, we got our DJ Moore. Uh, you know, this season mm-hmm. we're going to have a healthy Darnell Mooney, a Chase Claypool, who actually knows the playbook coming in as opposed to trying to learning on the fly uh, last year, and then you know, adding you know Deontay Foreman and drafting Roshan Johnson to go along with Khalil Herbert, adding Robert Tunyon, who's probably going to be a big red zone threat for us. Uh, you know, because uh, that's what Rodgers loved to do with him in, in Green Bay yep. and everything. It's like it's it's just a matter of it all coming together uh, for the Bears. So it's like I think you and I could both say the same thing as far as like, yeah, playing the Bears week one or playing Green Bay week one is probably the perfect time to play them the first time because we're both still going to kind of be learning what we've got here with our new offenses, with our new quarterbacks and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, – it's an interesting situation we have, you know, kicking things off with each other. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun this year because we're bookending the season first yeah. week one, week eighteen, right? We're gonna we're gonna see two completely different teams mm-hmm. for, for for both on both sidelines, right? Between week one and eighteen, and so that's a real fun thing to to talk about when we get together, you know, before that that 
uh, season ender in week 18 to kind of see how things have evolved over the course of the entire season. Yeah, and that's the beauty of, 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 of division opponents is that we get to see each other twice. Um, unlike, uh, you know, like the, with, the AF, with the NFC South, um, the Falcons is the week 17 matchup for us. So I don't get to talk to the Falcons guy for six whole months <laughs> before we play them on New Year's Eve uh, this year, and uh, you know, and, and and you know that kind of thing. But it's like we see each other week one, and then again uh, week eighteen. So going into the next matchup, the next time we talk to preview that matchup, you know, it's like maybe we'll talk a little bit about the preseason and, and you know what we learned if we learned anything uh, during the preseason. We'll probably talk more about how. Uh, you know, we reacted to uh, the Jets being on hard knock since it seems to be leaning <laughs> that way, uh, you know, and Rodgers being, you know, part of that and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, but then when we meet up eight week 18, then that's when all the questions will have answered. What kind of weight is this game going to have, if any, and, and all that kind of stuff? Were we actually able to put ourselves in a position to continue the primetime Bears-Packers game streak, or will this just be a good old-fashioned, boring noon Sunday matchup between the Bears and the Packers uh, to close out the year? It'll be a fun one. Like I said, there's there's more questions this season than we've had in Green Bay in a long time. Yeah. So um, I'm there's a little bit of uh fun in the unknown i think and you know we'll we'll see how it all shakes out cautious optimism from <laughs> from evan western um you know and and it's it's going to be fun like i said it's it's about as wide open as our division has been uh in quite some time you could see it bouncing just about any way uh this year yep. i mean i don't think it would surprise anyone for green bay to to win it everyone's expecting it to be detroit a lot of people are optimistic about the Bears. So I don't think anyone would be surprised with any team that wins the division this yeah. year. That's why I say it's, it's so wide open. So, yeah, it is definitely going to be fun, and uh, we get to start and finish it together this year. Sounds good. So where can we keep up with you uh, in, the, uh, in the meantime leading up to week one? Yeah, as always, you can find uh, me. I'm on Twitter at Tex Western. Uh, you can find me at AcmePackingCompany.com, at AcmePackingCo on Twitter. Um, we'll start up right after the fourth here, our review of our favorite plays from the Packers 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into our um, kind of pre-training camp 53-man roster prediction. We always kind of do that as staff every year to, to lead into training camp. And, uh, yeah, full, full training camp coverage. We get... Uh, couple of interesting preseason games some some joint practices with the Bengals and Patriots this year so that'll be kind of interesting to to follow uh how those go with uh Belichick coming to town so yeah keep it keep it at Acme Packing Company um and as always thanks for having me <laughs> so much fun Evan you you might be you might have your allegiances in the wrong place but uh you're <laughs> one of my favorite guests and I love to have you on well, I think I thank you man always a pleasure and as always Go back up. All right. Always fun to have Evan on the show, despite his uh, ugly allegiances, as you heard me just say a moment ago. It's uh, he's still one of my favorite people to have uh, on the show. Um, he is not a douchebag Packer fan that I've had more experience with than uh, than than guys like him uh, that root for our least favorite team uh, in the NFL. Uh, I've worked with many of them 
you know, and it's especially like living in Iowa. It's kind of in the middle of a, of a, you know, a bunch of fan bases, you know, it's, it's kind of in the middle you know, Minnesota's right there. Green Bay's not far away. Obviously there's Chicago. When the Rams were there, you saw a lot of St. Louis. And then every now and then, uh, you know, like one of my bosses, when I worked at the, the, the Riverboat Casino, who was a huge Raiders fan, um, my best friend's uh, uncle is a, um, his wife's uncle is a uh, Steelers fan from back in the day and, uh, and everything like that. So, I mean, it's, it's just one of those areas that even though it is a Bears market, that's the team that they get first. They also, you know, it, it's home to no one. They don't have any pro teams uh, in the Quad City area or in Iowa for that matter. Um, so it's uh, one of those places where just about everybody's, you know, you're a fan of just about everyone out there. So, but, um, you know, it's, uh, he's always fun to have on the, uh, on the show and, uh, we look forward to having him back to preview week one. So, um, yeah, well, actually, um, I think we mentioned, we, we spoke off air that, uh, Evan's actually getting married that weekend. So. We won't be talking to him. We'll be hopefully he'll get us somebody, uh, you know, to come out of the bullpen for him. And and we did talk about that about who it could be and so on and so forth. But uh, so he won't be back for week one. We won't talk to Evan until we get all the way down to uh, week eighteen to talk about that you know season finale and 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 will it mean anything? Will will the stakes move the Bears and Packers into a prime time slot, which they don't have? This year, there wasn't that NFL league mandated Bears Packers primetime game uh, this year. Week one right now is as close as we're going to get, which is going to be one of those, you know, three thirty Fox game, America's game of the week kind of things. Um, and that's, you know, not going to be shown everywhere, just most places. So we'll see if uh, week 18 rolls around to be one of those games where uh, it gets flexed into the into the Sunday night slot for the whole world to see. If not, it's, it's breaking one hell of a streak. I think we're at like 18 seasons in a row or something like that, that the Bears and Packers have played in prime time, Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, you know, what have you. But uh, we'll see. But um, anyway, that's going to do it for the Green Bay Packer uh, preview for 2023. Uh, we now move on to the Detroit Lions and another great friend, all three of these guys, Evan Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit and Chris Gates for the Vikings. These are my OG guests. When I started doing interviews back in 2015, they were the first three guys I had for our rival teams, and they've been on the show every single year uh, since then. So um, we're moving on to another one of our OGs with Jeremy uh, on Tuesday to preview uh, the Lions and, and see if he's anywhere near where I am as far as, you know, if, 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 the, if the years of history and watching the team – have you know uh, bent him to cynicism where you know like for me i think the lions can do it i think they're talented enough i think they have it on paper but they're still the lions and the lions like the bears aren't good putting successful seasons together like consecutively so i'm gonna have to you know be it's, it's gonna be a one-year prove-it deal for me with the lions uh before i am a uh, a stone cold believer uh, for them, we'll see if uh, Jeremy is anywhere close to that uh, mindset on Tuesday. So come on back for that. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. <laughs>